American actress, choreographer, dancer, and Kennedy Center honoree, Carmen de Lavalade is a living legend. Now in her 90s, Carmen continues to inspire generations of dancers and has invaluable advice to offer. Be curious, you know, not be afraid to take chances, that's the thing. And there are no mistakes. You say you make a mistake on the stage, you cover it up. (laughs) (laughs) Do something. (laughs) And don't be afraid of it. If you make a mistake, so what? The sun's going to come up. (laughs) You're listening to Moving Moments, the podcast that explores the dance world's most accomplished and groundbreaking artists. I'm your host, Alicia Graf Mack, Dean and Director of Dance at the Juilliard School. During each episode, you'll hear me talk with some of my closest friends and most trusted colleagues as we sit down to hear about their creative process and how they are changing the dance world on and off the stage. Carmen, I have been calling you my blueprint. When people say, what does that mean? Nice. Thank you, darling. I say that so many aspects of my life, I've tried to emulate you. Your grace, your dignity, your class, your talent, and your generosity. Oh, thank you, darling. One of my most favorite memories of us is when you received the Kennedy Center Honors Award in 2017. And I remember standing there on the stage looking up at you thinking, this is a moment. (laughs) It was an, an honor for me to be able to say thank you to my blueprint, my champion. And I wonder what was it like for you to be in the theater that day receiving that award and seeing the performance of all of your signature works being performed by all of these dancers? Well, I was just fascinated because when I saw you particularly, you were doing Come Sunday. Yes. And I was like watching myself. And I thought, oh, no, this is really weird. <laughs> no, that was really a beautiful. I was speechless. It was a good, it was a good a presentation that night, I think, mm-hmm. of everybody. I remember my mouth was dropped. It was a surprise. I remember yeah, people um, saying, don't uh, tell Carmen anything. And I was trying to learn the work from a video. Oh, Because yeah, I couldn't yeah, ask yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> to coach me at, at that point in time. We did get to be together yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you coached the full Come Sunday yeah, work, yeah. which was really special. Um, Carmen, you grew up in East Los Angeles That's in right. the 1930s, and you are the daughter of Creole parents. Right. What was your neighborhood and community like? Oh, I was in East L.A., Vernon City, and Vernon City was very mixed. And how did that influence your early upbringing and the energy. Well, and... you're around all kinds of people. Not, you know, that's the beauty of it, you know, because my dad was a bricklayer and he was working and, and my mom was ill and she was in a um, hospital and the neighbors knew it, like the Amiskita family. And they would look after us and make sure we got fed and, and it, it, things, you know, it became a family. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I grew up during that period. In the 30s, too, it was during the wars. Mm-hmm. And what were your earliest memories of you dancing? My, my Aunt Annette, she played the piano, and I'd spend the summers with her. My sisters and I would have summers with each of our aunts or something like that. And I remember she had a front lawn, 
and auntie would play the piano and I'm out on the lawn rolling and falling. I want to be a dancer like Janet. And I'd fall on the lawn. Because <laughs> my cousin Janet Collin hasn't been given her due as it should be. She was like something special. And in her house, they had a garage or something off the side of the house. It was her studio. It was Janet's space. And she was like our special person. When she performed at the Met, that was a big do. She never gave up. During those times, you couldn't dance in places because you're of color and all that kind of stuff. That was during that period of time. Mm -hmm. And then when I came to New York, I followed her, danced her, her roles. And what about your Aunt Adele? Auntie Adele had a bookshop, the Hugh Gordon bookshop. Mm. She was one of the only bookshops on Central Avenue in L.A. that dealt in black history. And people used to come from all over to her shop. And she kind of looked after us. She was our extra mommy. I think we had five mothers <laughs> and all my aunts. Her mothers, you know. So. I'm thinking about your relentless work ethic and your dedication to the craft that you've demonstrated your whole life. Can you pinpoint where that comes from? I think being around Janet and watching her and then my father, he took care of business. And I don't know. I just, I think I was around people who, who worked all the time. Mm. And then, of course, I ended up at Yale University with all the actors. Mm. We had a grand time because they questioned. I couldn't believe how many questions they <laughs> asked. They talk all the time. And, and I found that really interesting. And then when I went back to my work, I saw my work differently, mm. questioned myself. Because why am I doing that? And how can I make this more interesting? Because you're telling a story. Lester Horton was like that. You had an image behind, like mm -hmm. actors, and you look at it differently, and you move differently, and you behave differently in your attitude. And then if you have a partner, that's a whole other thing, too. Yes. Just hearing you, it reminds me that when we're young, in most dance settings, we learn steps before we learn how to storytell. That's right. I remember uh, Bella Lewitsky, she was very good at classes, and then we had these doors in the back, and she says, Open the doors and look out beyond. Take the, the doors out. Open the space. Look way, way, way out. Imagery, unless you gave imagery, everybody mm -hmm. gave imagery. And it was really helpful. Well, let's yeah. talk about Lester Horton. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because the modern dance world was really growing on the East Coast and in mm -hmm. New York City. Mm -hmm. You had Martha Graham and Lamone and all of these incredible modern dance legends creating what yeah. we call modern dance. And then there was Lester on the West Coast. Right. What drew you to his school and company? Well, actually, I think Janet sent me there because I was always jumping. I wanted to do my dancing and all that kind of stuff. Janet got me at that and went and auditioned. They were giving scholarships, so I mm -hmm. got a scholarship. And what were your impressions of Lester Horton as a young person what did you think? Well, of he's him? like a big daddy. I don't even know it was a way of explaining what Lester was. He was a man of the world, and he taught you about animals and snakes and all <laughs> kinds of. He loved everything, and the theater itself was was made so that the audience was like ten feet away, if that. And you learn to focus mm. so that your audience is right there, but you can concentrate. He taught us uh, um, how to take care of our costumes. If you performed 
half hour before the show. You have to come there and iron your costumes and put them all in order. Everything is, has to be done properly. What an education. Oh, yeah, it, absolutely. I was first introduced to the Horton technique in my 20s, and I just love it. I connected with the linear ideas, this idea of opposition, mm-hmm. um, how difficult it was. It was I love the physical challenge. What was it like to learn the technique from Lester and from Bella Lewitsky? Well, everything was visually. We had head studies, mm-hmm. how to do all the different ways of doing the head, shoulders, torso, mm-hmm. hip studies, foot studies, all that kind of stuff. So everything had a vocabulary, yes. which was really interesting. I and then how to have all these multiple rhythms and movements oh, yeah. going with yeah. the head. Yeah. It's yeah. different yeah. with the feet and the oh, arms. Oh, my goodness. To coordinate it, oh, you used to go home and cry. But he made us go over and over and over until we got it. Well, good thing you had that work ethic. I know you've told this story countless times, but Mm. I still feel like it's very important to tell. How did you meet Alvin Ailey, and what did you see in him as a young high school student? You know, we went to junior high and then high school. And I think what I saw, Alvin, he was, uh, when we got to high school, they had the gymnastics. Everybody had to take gym and all that kind of stuff. And he was in the gymnastics, and they were doing their showing or something. And I saw him, and I said, my God. Gosh, he was had such a stretch inside. And I told him, like, you ought to do it, be dancing to Alvin. And of course, in those days, a man would never <laughs> mention anything like that because mm-hmm. you would really be browbeaten to give him a hard time. He looked wonderful. He just was terrific. And he really wanted to do theater and stuff like that. He was very curious about a lot of things. So he would, he and I would come to take about two hours to get to where we to Lester's. And Al would take Alvin and Alvin would sit and watch the classes. And one day, Lester said, are you going to sit there? <laughs> and take the class. And finally, we got him into taking classes and things like that. And then we, we always partnered up together. He's like my baby brother, you mm-hmm. know. I looked after him because he was always by himself. He just said, hey, him and his mother, you know. Mm-hmm. So he was... He was a lonely guy, mm-hmm. very lonely young man. But we had a good time. And then he was interested, I think, because of Lester's the choreography. He got mm-hmm. really involved in choreography. He wanted to do all kinds of things. He couldn't wait to start on another dance or something. When you met Alvin and you saw him starting to train and seeing him choreograph, did you have a sense that he would be the force that he became? No, he would be surprised himself. You never know those things. You can't see the future. You just do what you do. Just keep at it. Yeah. See what happens. No. When you were learning something like The Beloved, what was your process in ingesting the work and then thinking about all the details and how to present and perform. Well, I don't know. I always went in the, in the back studio room by myself and mm-hmm. just went over everything and kind of said, mm, how can I do this? I was fortunate to have people who let you use that imagination mm-hmm. and not try to stop you from thinking, right. what do you think you're doing? Or, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. You see, I work with Jack Cole. That name. Oh, what yes. was it like I to had, work with Jack Cole? Oh, it was like working with a whirlwind. He was hard on me. 
He was hard, but he was very good about it. I mean, I liked him a lot. He was terrifying. Terrifying. I've never seen anybody move like that in my life. He's mm. beautiful. Beautiful. He was a good soul, though, Jack. Mm. He's exceptional. And can you remember times when you were performing where it felt like flight, where everything clicked and you made the magic? I, yeah, I just said, I'm just going to do what I have to do and let go and let God, you know. <laughs> just <laughs> When you walk out on the stage, you can really feel the audience. Mm -hmm. I can remember moments where it was like my soul left my body. Mm -hmm. Well, I just get out there and tell my story and they catch it. I know that in 1954, you and Alvin made your way to New York City to perform in House of Flowers. House of Flowers, yeah. On Broadway. I have to say, it was kind of awkward, you know, because the dancers got rather upset mm -hmm. because we ended up with a duet. You and Alvin. Mm-hmm. And, and then Jeffrey was uh, trying to court me <laughs> at the same time. And he protected Alvin and myself, mm -hmm. actually. Jeffrey was very generous. So yeah. I would love to know the story of... When you first met Jeffrey, oh, and he, what happened from there? He read about me in Dance Magazine or something like that. <laughs> and what did you think of him? I know he's sort of... No, he's very imposing. He's a big man. You mm -hmm. know, he's, he takes over. So, But very polite, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And was it love at first sight with no, Jeffrey? No, 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 not, not love at first sight. No, no, he, he, that was later. People grow on you. <laughs> No, he couldn't be sweeter. Mm -hmm. He was a very generous man, and he was generous to everybody. He yes. was big personality, mm -hmm. and he was fabulous on the stage because he took over the stage. He designed all my clothing, and they're beautiful, and they're very well made mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of spoiled in that. <laughs> I'm dressing up. Oh, you need a little color right there. Put a little red right there. something. <laughs> And I said, it drove me crazy. <laughs> he said, what are you going to wear? And I said, clothes. Clothes. <laughs> but uh, we had this little funny battle between each other about what to wear and all that kind of stuff. Mm. He loved dressing up. That was the fun part. I remember seeing the two of you at various performances, arm in arm. Yeah. Carmen, you are the goat, as young people say. Do you know what the goat means? <laughs> no. The greatest of all time. That's what it stands for. The greatest of all time. <laughs> and your longevity in the field has allowed generations of dancers and audiences to witness your work. What's kept you in the game? I think because as I grow older, I'm not going to let that stop me from performing. Because each year you're in a different part of life and you adjust to it, you know, and you make use of your experience in the past. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Well, we're sitting here with your son, Leo, sitting right next to you. <laughs> and I wonder what it was like to be a working mother. Yes, I'd take him to rehearsals, which is fun. Jeffrey and I would take him every place. And I always took him with me. I was not going to leave him there, you know. I know it was chancy, but I thought it was a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> not to interrupt. Yes. But just to chime in, because 
And this will happen to you too, especially if you have kids that eventually get into the field. The more you bring them into your environment while you are working, mm -hmm. the more they're going to retain. For example, now I'm the one who coaches Dougla. Or you and I worked together when we, we were setting lights, for example. Yes. This is all my retention because I go back as far as some of these pieces. Yes. I remember when Alvin was still dancing. Mm -hmm. I remember when Jeffrey was still dancing. He was he was baby in Jeffrey's so lap. It, it, there's, there's a photograph of her backstage in her dressing room at Radio City Music Hall. And mm -hmm. I'm in the bassinet while she's darning her costume. You, once you're one of those trunk babies, mm -hmm. everything gets transferred. Yeah. I never heard that term before. It's literally a vaudeville thing. You mm -hmm. travel the country going, doing one night or six shows a day, you know, that kind of thing. You just become part of that world and you absorb. And for all intents and purposes, your children will be able to pass on your legacy mm. your dna your artistic mm. dna because it's there that's beautiful and they'll be able to pass on the contact mm -hmm. which we go around full circle again it's about telling the story right but this time around there is a, a legacy to it there is a, literally a dna strand and just in terms of motivation was a picture of my mother with ruth saint dennis and a handwritten notebook of my mother's notes on one of Miss Ruth's pieces oh. that she had performed. And so you get this photograph, and then you get these handwritten notes, and now there's this link to the very beginning yes. of modern dance in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, we could even go back further because we actually lived across the street when we were in Paris with Josephine Baker. Mm -hmm. That's another lineage there. Ooh, yeah. So those things count in terms of being able to propel the art forward. Mm -hmm. If it comes from the horse's mouth and the horse's mouth can then give you the context mm -hmm. to find it in you, that's where the spark happens. Yeah. Carmen, is there anything you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered well, it's just that dancers have to be very curious and not be afraid to ask questions. And, you know, today, I mean, goodness, they have their choice of where they want to go and what they want to do is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And to be curious, you know, not be afraid to take chances, that's the thing. And it's a different world they're living in. I don't know. It changes rapidly. And there are no mistakes. You know, you make a mistake. You say you make a mistake on the stage and you cover it up. <laughs> do something <laughs> that's been done how many times that's happened on stages you know it's learning's learning and don't be afraid of it if you make a mistake so what <laughs> the sun's gonna come up <laughs> you know i think we did a good job <laughs> i think so too thank you thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode of moving moments if you like what you heard please tell your friends about it spread the word be sure to follow the show, rate us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. To keep up with future episodes, follow us on Instagram at Moving Moments Podcast and visit us at artfulnarrativesmedia.com. Tune in next week as we hear another inspiring artist's moving moments.